Well, good morning, Kensington Shelby. Welcome. Hey, we got baptisms today. We are so excited about that. Our hearts are overflowing. So we're going to start out this morning with a song of praise. If you'd like to sing along with us, please join in.
Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Kensington Church. What a great way to start off the day, praising God. And I'm so glad you are here. My name is Kristen Schombeck, and I am the campus director of our Shelby campus. And if you are new here, or if you're relatively new, been checking us out for a little while, we have a spot designed just for you. It's called Starting Point, and it's in the lobby. And there's a, it's a high-top table right in front of the sign that says Starting Point. And I'd love to encourage you to go to that table after the service and just meet with the volunteers there. They can answer any questions you may have, give you a tour of the place, and we have a free gift designed just for you. So it's, it's Thanksgiving. Like, I just, in case you guys don't know that, you guys realize next, this week is Thanksgiving. How many of you have got your turkeys and your shopping and you're all set? I don't like any of you. None of you. I still have to go out and fight the crowds this week, but it's exciting and it's a lot of fun. And we had an incredible last two days from our campus at West Utica Elementary School. How many of you guys helped us pack some turkey, uh, pack some baskets? Look at you guys. It was awesome. We had hundreds of volunteers from our campus at West Utica the last two days, both Friday and Saturday, setting up and delivering over a hundred baskets to make an impact in our community, in the Utica school system right here in Shelby. And I just have to say, it's a, it's a really cool thing to have an impact as one person, right? We can love on our neighbors this holiday. We can do some really great things, but it's, it's so powerful to see hundreds of us come together on mission and reach so many more people with love this season. So it was a great day. I want to celebrate and thank all of you who showed up, who prayed, and also who financially gave to make this happen. It was a win in our community. Another huge win we had a few weeks ago was a foster care and adoption conference that happened at the Troy campus. And for those of you who were there, you know it was a great conference with practical tools and tips for people who are interested in praying about getting involved in this initiative. And if you weren't able to make it, you can still get involved. If you see the link behind me, you can get on that link. And even if you're just considering stepping into foster or adoptive care, or you're even considering wrapping yourself, your arms around people who are already in that world. So maybe you're not ready to actually foster or adopt, but you want to still be involved to help. There's so many different ways to get involved at so many different levels. So jump in and look at the website, contact um, any, there's lots of options there. So jump in there and look and see what fits for you. So one of my favorite programs we do at Kensington is our internship program. Did you guys know that we have between 20 and 30 interns that come into our offices every year and they help all over Kensington in so many different areas? It can be IT, communications, it could be at a campus level, it could be shadowing a pastor, shadowing a campus director, it could be involved in our EDGE, our high school, middle school programs, so many different areas. And Colleen, who's, I'm gonna, you're just going to choke up, she's drinking something right now, she's right there in our sound booth area, she was an intern for us and we've since then... She's been trained through the program, is running. She runs. She makes, if the band comes out, it's because Colleen called them out. She's, she's like magic. She can talk to people back there. She's really cool. She's our service director now. And I just wanted you guys to know about this program because it's a great program. If, and also for all ages. We have people that are out of high school, out of college. People that have decided midway through career changes. All different ages that are jumping into this internship program. So if you have a heart for ministry or feel called to look at what 
churches do and how they function behind the scenes, this program might be just for you. And Colleen said she'd be in the lobby after the service, so you can find her if you have any questions or if you're interested in jumping in. We have a great service ahead. And I have to tell you that at Kensington, we talk a lot about the things we do, right? The Thanksgiving baskets were awesome. But what we really are about are stories. We're really about each of you. We're not about the walls, the buildings, the chairs, the stuff. We're about watching God transform and mobilize you personally in your life. And that's what we celebrate the most. That's why I get up in the morning. That's why I want to be a part of this. I want to see what God's got planned in your life today. And Bob's story is one that is like many, many others around here. So let's listen to how he has heard about God and been moved through Kensington in his life. It has been a dream of mine to have a great family, to be a caring husband, a good father, and obtain success in my career. However, in my mid-40s, my reality was not living up to the vision I had imagined. I had become disappointed with my career, my marriage, my family, and myself. I felt stressed out as a father, a husband, a worker, and a follower. To alleviate that stress, I turned to an old occasional drinking habit. In time, the drinking increased in quantity and frequency, which only amplified my discontentment, created loneliness, and isolated me from my family and God. Life became unmanageable. I was not dealing with my reality well. I was stalling as an employee, failing as a husband, faltering as a father, and lukewarm as a follower. I needed to change, and I knew it. My wife suggested celebrate recovery. Who goes to CR? What do I have in common with the people there? Will I be labeled? Will they accept me after they know my secrets? Will they try to advise and fix me? Can this really help? Upon entry to the first meeting, I saw a couple of people that I knew. CR presented a comprehensive suite of common-day modern ailments including substance abuse, dysfunctional relationships, depression, and pornography habits, to name a few. My first night's experience, I got the feeling that I'm not alone. And by the evidence of the people that I met there, there is hope. The meetings were eye-opening. I listened to people share their lives. They were so open, so real and authentic. environment at CR made me feel safe. I began to share and reveal my deeds, my problems, and my feelings. Trusting relationships formed. As I dedicated myself to the program, I began to change, as did others. It was truly amazing to watch people being transformed right before my eyes. Before, I had thought God to be loving but distant. Through CR, I experienced Him to be caring, especially about the details of my life. Because of the program and the new relationships, my habit is gone. Gone is the stronghold that temptation had over me. Gone is the hiding, the shame, the guilt, and anger. I rediscovered another level of God who has love for me and others. Even though I messed up terribly, I'm forgiven, redeemed, and more equipped and more confident to lead. 
I know that who I am, in light of Christ's mercy and grace, is far greater and more powerful than what I do. I am in alignment with who God created me to be. I trust God's promises. My life's trajectory and my family's trajectory has changed too. I have devoted myself to engage my wife and children doing the best that I can as a husband and a father. I give back to God and to others at Celebrate Recovery what I had been so freely given. Celebrate Recovery is my church within a church. I've known Bob for over 20 years. He's been a blessing in my life, been a neat part of Kensington through these years. I had no idea he was struggling. You know what we've learned through the years here? Every person that walks in these doors is carrying a weight. Every person that connects in a small group or is in a journey back to Jesus Christ has challenges. And it is so cool to see Bob move from isolation and that lie that he was alone back into community, back into a place of humbling himself to grow and get realigned in his relationship with Jesus Christ. I just got to, I got to tell you, this is why we do what we do. This is what I live for. This is worth our lives together. This is why we invest who we are, our time, our resources. And so here's, we come to another year in at Kensington. I'm challenging you to step into this journey with us, to invest in the lives of people like Bob. Let's see people continue to get reconnected into the things that really matter. It is worth our lives. This is what we do. Isn't that a great story? Wow, no? Okay. (laughs) Isn't that a great story? Uh, You know, I absolutely love hearing stories like Bob's story. And when we do baptisms later on today, which, by the way, that's what we're doing today. That's why we have a big tub over here. Um, I love those stories, too, because they're, they're single points. They're just moments in time, single stories that point to a bigger vision, a greater mission that you're on with us, that we together are participating in, partnering in to see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus. So as you're getting ready for your year in gifts and you're thinking about the different places that you may want to bless uh, as the year comes to a close, we hope that you'll consider Kensington as one of those places because we love what happens here and we hope you love what happens here. And we love to continue moving forward with this mission that God has put us all on together. Well, we are in the dead center of a three-week series that is called Questions Jesus Asked. And uh, we're looking at three different questions that Jesus asked. He asked over a hundred in scripture. But every time Jesus asked the question, he was making a point. He was getting somewhere with something and bringing us to a deep understanding or a deep truth about something that really, really matters to our lives. And today what we're talking about is we're talking about thankfulness. We're talking about gratitude. We're talking about what it looks like to live the type of life that points to the greatness of those and the things that have happened to our benefit. And so we're going to be talking about that all day today. We're going to be celebrating that in baptism. But before we did that, we felt like it'd be great to worship together, to sing to God, great are you, Lord. Because no matter what is good in your life, the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down from God, that he is the author of all good things. And so if we have anything good in our lives, anything worth praising, anything worth being thankful for, it is God who we get to thank. So I'd encourage you to stand with me as we worship together and we sing how great is our God.
God, you are so great. God, you are 
all good things wrapped up into one. God, today we start our day just clearing this room of distractions, clearing this room of the enemy, asking that you would move in our hearts and our minds to renew us from the inside out and make us who you have created us to be. Let your dreams for us be fulfilled in us as we dedicate ourselves to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. We felt like on a day where we're tackling the topic of gratitude, of thankfulness, it would be a great idea for us to go ahead and start by seeing pictures and video of people getting baptized, singing about how great our Father in Heaven is. Because gratitude is one of those things, especially this time of year, that we're supposed to focus on, right? You know, the rest of the year you can be all greedy, you can be all thankless, you can be all entitled, but you got this one week, you're supposed to say something good, right? So kids already be ready to get get set up that when your parents go around the table at Thanksgiving to have something really good to say, and I would recommend making it one of your parents, all right? But just, you know, just, 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 that's lucky for you. Um, I have a weird thing about me when it comes to thankfulness. I am someone who both struggles with finding the time and making the time and seeing the opportunities to say thank you for all the things that have that happened in my life while simultaneously I am incredibly judgmental of people who do the same I don't know if you guys ever feel that way. I don't know how many of you guys would say that you you feel like you are really good at this thankfulness thing. Like you are really great at gratitude. You just you well, nobody. All right, good talk topic for today. Um good deal. How many of you say like me you kind of struggle with it? Yeah, some of you, yeah. Now, how many of you would also say that though you struggle with it, you also are very judgmental of people who aren't thankful? You know, you do that as well. Yes, yeah, some of you, right? I was trying to remember what the word for that was. Um, uh, hypocrite. That's what it is. Hypocrite. Um, <laughs> that's me. I'm not talking about you. Don't get up and leave. But no, that's me. I just, I found it so funny because on one hand, I like, I miss those opportunities. Someone does something kind for me. Someone shows me generosity. Someone overlooks, you know, something that I've done wrong. And then I'm just like, oh, that's great. That's awesome. And And then when somebody doesn't do it for me, I'm like, hey, that's not all right. I've never seen this more visibly evidenced in my life than in situations like this one right here. I don't know if you guys, oh, there it goes, there there it go. Here's, let's do it again. There it is. I don't know if you guys ever feel this like me, but there's something that happens in traffic that absolutely makes my blood boil. It's when you're in traffic and there's a lane that's being closed. And I get over early because I want to be kind and generous to everybody. Wait my turn. And what ends up happening is they do this thing called a zipper. It's like where you get to the end and it's like you take a space, give a space, take a space, give a space. And I'm the guy that when I get to that point and I am in that lane and I've been waiting and I see that guy in that way too big truck, like like he's like always going somewhere, right up to the edge. And then he just tries to get over. I'm the kind of guy that goes, go ahead. I am. I don't know. It's just something in me. I'm probably it's the saintliness of me. I'm not sure. But when I see it, I'm just like, you know, I'll stop. I'll hold back. Go ahead and after you, everybody merge. You know, I'm just like, come on in. This is good stuff. Nothing flies all over me more than when I, in my great generosity and kindness, open up a gap and they pull in and there's no wave. Are you kidding me right now? Do you think I didn't see it? Did you think I wasn't paying attention? Do you think you pulled one over on me? No, sir. No, I was watching. I chose to give a gap. You took it and didn't even wave. <laughs> it's that simple. It's just, that's it. It's all your fingers, not just one of them. You just, that's it. That's all you got to do. 
And then I'm like, you're welcome. I'll let another one in. Everybody, I'll stay still. I don't care if people are hugging behind me. Show me some gratitude. I don't know why. I'm probably just a mess that way. But it's so funny. I have so many first world problems in my life that, you know, I can come up with reasons why I should be entitled or reasons why I should be upset. You know, I'm watching television in my bedroom because I have an extra television that sits in my bedroom, in my house, that's heated. And I'm eating potato chips and I'm like, I really wish that the noise in my head wasn't so loud. I could hear the dialogue and the the people talking on the television. The crunching is just so loud. You know, it's just like, that's, that's the type of problems I tend to deal with. There's people out there with real problems, with real issues. And yet, when something good comes, when something positive happens, when there's a, a kindness, a generosity, a forgiveness that hits, so often I'm able to just overlook that. But yet I wish for it in my own life. And you see, there's a real problem with this. Because the truth is, gratitude is not natural. I didn't realize this when I had kids. I thought gratitude was just the type of thing that just showed up in people's lives. Because after all, when you're a kid, you bring nothing to the table, right? You come in and you are just this blob of crying and pooping and eating and sleeplessness. So you would expect as soon as they're able to talk, the first word out of their mouth would be, thank you for not killing me, right? You know, thank you for keeping me around. Thank you for this house and all these things and these cars and all these gadgets and gizmos and and, and doo-wots, you know, all these things that I have. Thank you for that. But is that ever the case? No. No. Kids have the tendency, the capability, the unique ability to point out the one thing they didn't get. You know, I was the same way. I was a kid at Christmas to be like, what about this? It was on my list. They're like, yeah, you mean like the other 59 things we got? I'm like, what about that? Christmas is ruined. You know, I was that kid. My parents just wanted to take me out, you know, because we have that tendency, you know, That idea, that thankfulness, that gratitude is not a natural thing. What is natural is greed. Greed is natural, right? Because anybody can look at a situation and go, well, you know, I guess it's okay, but, and then put something in. You know, it's like, man, you know, someone just really helped me out with by by paying a bill for me. I wish it would have been my mortgage. That would have been nice. It's like, really? Really? You just, okay, that's fine. No. You know, somebody gives you a ride to school. I wish they had a better car. You know, whatever it is. It's like we have this tendency, this capability to see what wasn't given, to see what could have been, to look forward into what we wish we had and dwell on those things instead of being the type of people that are grateful. You see, the big problem with this is that the Bible is very clear on the posture we're supposed to have in life. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice in all circumstances. Give Thanks that our lives are supposed to be a personification of gratitude. We're supposed to be people who, when they look at us, when the world sees us, they see people who are thankful. They see people who are loving. They see people who are kind and people that recognize all that has been given to us. But when we don't live that way, we just point to the brokenness of the world. There's also alive and well inside of us in our fleshly lives. And so we need to figure out what it looks like to live a life that is filled with gratitude. How do we do that? I want to explore a passage of scripture today. It's actually found in Luke chapter 17. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, you'll see it on the screen up here. But in Luke chapter 17, we see a question that Jesus asks. He asks this question in reference to an experience that if any of us had gone through it, we would hopefully go through it and make the choices that are different than most of the people in this story. But the truth is, what I believe is so cool about this story is on one hand, is it shows the truth of all of us and what lives inside of our hearts. The greed, the entitlement, the ability to see the bad. 
But it also gives what I think is a fantastic prescription for how to move past that and live a life of gratitude. And I think when we do that, it has one of the greatest possible effects on the way the world sees us and the way that the gospel spreads in the world. And if we're able to change that attitude, to change that spirit, here's what happens. One, we live with a lot more joy. We live with a lot less stress. And statistically speaking, thankful people live longer. Believe it or not, it's actually, you can check it out, you can research it. So I don't know anybody that like lives and says, you know, I really hope that I have a short and miserable life. You know, that'd be great. Nobody says that. We all want to live a long time. We all want to have joy. We all want to live with less stress. And one of the, one of the best ways to do that, one of the antidotes to greed and entitlement, misery, and a short life <laughs> is gratitude. So let's explore this story together and let's see what God might want to teach us together from his word. Starting in Luke chapter 17, you'll see this up on the screen. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, this is Jesus, by the way, because it says it right there. Um, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now to kind of paint a picture of what this looks like, there's this border between these two neighboring places. You got Galilee, you got Samaria. Now Samaria is very interesting because it was made up of a group of people that split off from Judaism a long time ago. And the Jewish people did not think highly of the Samaritans and the Samaritans did not think highly of the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, they lived in separate areas. If you were on your way to the other side of Samaria, most Jewish people would walk around it, even though it added so much time because they didn't even want to be seen in Samaria, let alone have the dishonor of having to talk to one of those Samaritans. But the placement of where Jesus is in the story matters, and that's why I explained it. He says, as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. So we see this this kind of playing out here. There's these people with this thing called leprosy. If you're not familiar with what leprosy was, it's probably because in first world countries, we don't deal with that anymore. There are still some pockets of it in different areas of the world, but for largely it's not something that we deal with. But at the time it was debilitating. It was catastrophic. It was tragic to be diagnosed as a leper. One, because parts of your body began to rot and just fall off. And you'd just be like, oh, where'd my pinky go? Oh, he has leprosy. Oh, it's gone. Okay. Bummer, you know, at least I got nine more, oh, eight, you know, whatever it was, it was just, it was a horrible disease. You know, you were just falling apart of the seams. You would stink because again, your body is rotting basically. And they thought at the time it was contagious, which meant not only were you given a death sentence by a very incredibly vicious and painful disease, you had to live it out by yourself or in a colony with other people suffering the same fate. That's why it says that they called out to Jesus at a distance. They knew that if they were seen approaching someone to get close to them, that people would riot. They would get all over them because it's well known. If you're a leper, get out, get away, be done. You've got to go. So they see Jesus, and my guess is like many rabbis or other people that came through, they maybe heard about Jesus ahead of time and said, this guy, he's different. So they see him, they're like, hey, hey, Jesus, over here, over here, we're lepers. Um, Yeah, don't come too close, but... Could you have mercy on us? Have pity on us. God, help us because we're kind of, we're lost. We're hopeless. And then Jesus responds. I love this. this. is the way he says, he goes, when he saw them, he said, go and show yourself to the priest. And they went. And as they went, they were cleansed. So this is, this takes a little bit of understanding as well. At the time frame that this was, was coming about, they didn't have a lot of physicians that lived around. And so the priest was actually the only person that could tell someone with leprosy that they were cleansed or that they were clean. So if you thought you had leprosy, you're like, oh, I shook hands with a leper. You know, I was around the lepers. You know, Uncle, jo- Uncle Bill had leprosy. And you go up to a priest. The priest was the one that could look at you and go, okay, he's clean. 
you can go. Or, oops, sorry, you got leprosy. Bye. So Jesus sees these guys. He's like, yeah, go, go see the priest. And they're like, well, I don't think we're allowed to do that. You know, that's the guy that told me that I had to leave my family. Not really liking that guy very much, but they go anyway. And as they go, that's what's so great. It says, as they go, they're healed. Can you imagine what that conversation was like? That had to have been great. Like, come on, Bill, Henry, let's go. Come on, we're going to go see the priest. Why are we going to go see the priest? He's just going to tell us to get away from him. Maybe they'll kill us because we're going into town. He's like, yeah, the guy said it. Let's do it. You know, they're walking in. They're like, ah, the scab itches. Oh, wow, that's weird. Oh my goodness. I don't know if people like had pinkies grow back, you know, their eye comes back or something. I don't know what's happening, but by the time they get to the priest, they had to have been giddy. They had to have been like, priest, come here, come here. You see anything? Anything different? They're like, didn't you have leprosy? Like, not anymore. Check me out. I'm going on there. They're so, I can imagine excited in that moment. Could you just, just for a second, try and put yourself in those shoes. Can you imagine what it must've been like the very first time they saw the leprosy on them? You know, maybe they were out in the field plowing or maybe they were watching sheep or maybe they were hanging out with their family at a, at, a, at a reunion or they were just eating dinner and somebody said, what's that spot? And you looked down and your blood ran cold because you'd seen it on people before. You started tracing back to your mind. When was I around one? I don't know how this happened. How could this be me? Why me? And when you said goodbye to your, your wife and your children, or your husband, and you headed off into the leper colony to spend the rest of your life in agony and misery. And then all of a sudden, some guy happens by, sends you to the priest because he healed you. What would you do? What's well, really interesting is to see what they did. Because what they did, I believe, is probably pretty representative of what we do in the face of insurmountable kindness that has been shown to us in life. It says one of them, one of them, there's 10. One of them went when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all 10 clean, cleansed? And this is the question we're dealing with today. Where are the other nine? You see, Jesus is, is, is seeking an answer to this that I think exposes the truth in our own lives is that we are inherently bad at saying thank you. It's showing gratitude. Now, I don't want to really judge these guys too harshly because my guess is the first thing they did was go home, right? You know, you know, go to your wife, go to your husband, go to your kids and go, hey, I'm clean, I'm healed, I'm great, this is awesome. But one guy said, wait a minute, I, I, I'll be back. We'll, we'll embrace this. I just got to go do something real quick. And he takes off down the road and he sees Jesus. He's like, Jesus, wait up. And when he gets to Jesus, he falls on his feet, on his face at Jesus' feet. And he says, thank you. Jesus says, where are the other nine? This is how Jesus responds. It says, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. He said, your faith has made you well. There's so many times in this life that I think we have to ask this question. How do we move from greed to gratitude? How do we become the one instead of the nine? 
Because I don't know about you, but there's so many times in my life I look back and I see people who showed me kindness. I see people through the lens that's 2020 always in retrospect. And I see people who did well for me, who did kindness for me, who treated me with, with fairness when they could have taken advantage or who treated me with unfairness to my advantage when they could have just done something else. And I think back and I go, man, what was with me? Why could I just not say thank you? Why was it that I felt like I just needed to have entitlement or look for that next thing or go for just a little bit more? What was it about me? It was the brokenness that was in me. It was the sin that lived in me. But one went back and said, thank you. See, the truth is we're all lepers. Maybe not physically, but we all have a leprosy of the soul. We've caught a disease, an illness. It's terminal. It's called sin. See, when we go apart from the design that God gave us, that's what the Bible calls sin. The Bible says that sin doesn't make you bad, sin makes you dead. It puts us in a situation where you're separated from God, and if we die separated from God, we spend eternity separated from God. But God loved us so much that he chose to send Jesus. Jesus voluntarily came, and he lived a sinless life so that he could die a sacrificial death, so that he could raise to back to life and change the world. And in doing so, he gave us the opportunity to be reconciled to him. You see, we have, the, we have the need in us to turn our hearts, to acknowledge that truth, to be the one instead of the nine, to be those that express thankfulness and gratitude instead of entitlement and greed. So how do we do it? Well, as I said before, I feel like this, this, this story is great because on one hand it exposes our humanity, but on the other hand it shows us a roadmap to follow, to find that life and heart of gratitude. And I think if we follow the example of the one, we have the capability within us, with Christ in us, with the Holy Spirit in us, to move and shift our hearts to a different way of looking. So I want to explore that scripture again, but I want to explore it through the idea of a prescription. How do we go about living lives like that? Now, before we do that, we're going to go ahead and pause in our service right now. We're going to receive our offering. For those of you that are newer to Kensington, maybe this is your first time here, we, don't, we really didn't design this part of the service for you. This, is, this is, the whole service is meant to be a gift, and we hope that you experience it that way. The only thing we ask of you, if you're newer here, is that you meet us over at Starting Point after the service. You'll see the people with the orange shirts. Those people have a, a gift that they'd like to give to you. We'd like to introduce ourselves and get to know you, maybe get some of your information. So that's the only thing we ask for you. But for those of you that call Kensington home, for those of us that call Kensington home, we give not out of obligation or duty or out of guilt or shame or anything like that. We give out of anticipation. We give with enthusiasm because we know God is in the midst of this group of people doing incredible things to move the mission of God forward. And we love being a part of it. So the the baskets are going to, or the pouches are going to go through your rows right now. Whether you give through the pouches, you give online or through our app or however you give, thank you for giving. Thank you for participating, for being a part of this with us, that we might see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus. So how do we live this life of gratitude? How do we live this life where we choose to be the type of people that express gratitude instead of greed, that express thankfulness instead of entitlement? It comes down to three very simple things we see in this story. The first is this, we need to see it. We need to see it. When people do for us, when people show us kindness, when people go out of their way, we need to make it a point to see what is happening. 
You know, scripture tells us in this, it says, one of them, when he saw he was healed. You see, one of them understood the gravity of the situation. One of them maybe was so just overwhelmed with the situation that he recognized that, yes, he needed to see his family, or if he had a family, or yes, he needed to, to go get back into his life. But before he did anything, he needed to go thank the giver of that gift. He needed to go show that person gratitude. He needed to go and, and, and do something about it. Why? Because he saw it. He understood it. He got it. I think so many times people take the spot and they don't recognize the person behind them that gave the spot. I think for so many of us, it's so easy to get used to the luxuries that we live with. You know, I come down hard on kids not being grateful and stuff like that, but that's all of us. We all get white balanced into whatever world we're living in and we don't recognize how bad things could be or how bad they are. If we could right-size that perspective and recognize that a billion people don't have clean drinking water and three billion people don't have access to sanitation, live on less than a dollar a day, perhaps we would see that differently. But the truth is we hit the genetic and geographical lottery being born into the families and into the area that we are. God bless America that we have the ability to live here and be wrapped in an insulative blanket of prosperity that we get to benefit from having done very little to move it forward. But we got to see it. You know, I think sometimes when I find myself most frustrated, most entitled, most greedy, the antidote is to count my blessings one by one. To sit down in a quiet space, to just be by myself and say, hmm, I'm not sick today with any kind of terminal illness I have money in my bank account to cover my bills and even a little bit to have some fun with. I have working vehicles, a heated home. I don't have to wonder where my next meal is coming from. We got to see these things. And then secondly, we got to say it. We got to say it. You see, it's one thing for us to see it, but for so many of us, for some reason, that, that, that phrase... Thank you. It's so hard for us to utter. You know, it's, it feels like maybe it's going to be awkward. It feels like maybe it's going to be weird. It feels like, you know, ah, the situation just isn't quite right. I don't know if I want to say it. But the truth is, we have no idea how long we'll have to say it. You know, in this scripture, it says that he came back praising God in a loud voice. And I love this because I don't know if Jesus ever got embarrassed, but if he ever did, this might have been one of those moments. You know, he's walking down the road. He sees these guys. He's like, go to the priest. Tell him you're healed. You know, he's just going on because that's the way Jesus is. He's just like, easy, you know, and he goes off and he sees this guy, Jesus, running up to him. I don't know if like he was having a conversation with a Pharisee or something, you know, and he's just like, Jesus, thank you. You're awesome, Jesus. He's like, okay, okay, easy, easy. That's how this guy chose to do it. He didn't say that he went up and said, oh, Jesus, can I talk to you for a second? I appreciate that. It was a good thing. Appreciate it. He's screaming it from the rooftop because those who see it have the propensity to say it. And when we see it, we need to make the decision to go and say it, to be the people that say what we need to say. I've shared this before. But back in 2014, it was not a good year for my family. See, in January, we lost my grandmother, 93 years old. She lived an amazing life. Nine months later, in that same year, I lost my father, her son. That wasn't expected. It was very, you know, unexpected and it hurt a lot. Something very interesting happened over the years that led up to that. So my dad was a very reserved person. He didn't really get out and say a lot much. 
He was an amazing man of integrity, but he didn't like to stand in front of people. But I got to hear this story about him. I didn't get to see it, unfortunately. I've been told there's a video. I haven't seen it yet. But on my grandmother's 90th birthday, they had a big party. I didn't get the chance to go. But I heard that my father stood up in front of everybody and gave a toast to my grandmother, his mom. And in that toast, he said all the things that a son wishes he could say to his mother. He talked about the sacrifices she made so that he and his sister Linda could live in the way that they lived. He talked about how even as a single person for years and years, because her husband died young, how she lived a life of grace and integrity and how she was an example to so many. And then my father prayed for the meal, which again, we had to actually check the footage to find out that he did that, you know, because that wasn't his way. It wasn't what he did. But he made the decision to take the time out to say the things he needed to say. And I remember in January getting on the, 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 the metro that they have there that drives you in and around St. Louis. My father picked me up on the metro station. And I saw a man who was just crushed. who was just absolutely saddened at the death of his mother. But I got to see someone who had a, also a deep-seated gratitude that he had taken the time to say what he needed to say. And at her funeral... God prompted me to do the same thing for him. And while I stood in front of all of our family, I got to say great things about my grandmother, but I also got to give praise to my father. I got to tell him what an amazing dad he was. I got to tell him how much I appreciated all the sacrifices he made for me and my brother, for my mom. I got to tell him, I said, you know, dad, I know you didn't really like working at Xerox for 28 years, but I appreciate you doing it so that I got to have education and I got to have food and I got to have shelter and I got to have a stable home to live in. You're a man of integrity, dad. And then nine months later, I buried him. And you know what it feels like inside to know that I had the chance to say everything I needed to say to him? I have no regrets. I have no hauntings. I have nothing in me that's living with regret in that particular area. I thank God every day he gave me the opportunity to do that. But let me ask you a question. What has happened in your life, either recently or at some point, that you just have never taken the time to say thank you for? That you maybe just didn't even see, but you need to take the time to reflect. And who is that person in your life that maybe God is just showing you in this very moment that you need to be the person that says it, that sticks out like a sore thumb and says, you know what, I'm putting myself out there. I need you to know how grateful I am. Thank you for that. You see, what ends up happening is, is when we see it and we say it, we have the tendency to live it. See, what Jesus said to this man, he said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. He says, look, go live a life that shows and reflects the kind of gratitude you feel for me. He says, let your life shine into other people's lives that they may see how grateful you are. Live a life that is a life of gratitude and gratefulness. See, that's one of the reasons we do baptism. You know, in just a minute, I'm going to climb into that tub. I'm pretty sure it's like really warm. Um, I'm just going to tell you that now. Uh, but I, I get to climb in this tub. In a few minutes, we're going to see... I don't know, a lot of people, I see a bunch of teenagers in here, so I'm hoping there's a bunch of you guys that are doing it. We're having a number of people that are about to get baptized. You know what baptism is? In its very nature, what it is, is it's you taking a bath in front of a bunch of people. I know, it's weird, right? You're like, that's, that's weird. It's a sacred rite. It's a ritual. It's something that connects us to Christ followers around the world and throughout time. 
Because Jesus did this. And he said to to us, this is what we do. When someone has placed their faith in Christ, the way we celebrate that, the way that we put a wedding ring on it, the way that we kind of put that out there to the world is through this ritual of baptism where we dunk ourselves underwater. Someone dunks us underwater. And that symbolizes the death we experience with Christ. And then we raise up out of the water and that symbolizes the new life, the regeneration, the renewed person that we are in him. And it's a beautiful thing. It's one of my favorite things I get to do every single time we do it because it is a celebration. It is a thank you to God and to Jesus for what he's done in our lives. But that is what we're meant to be and meant to do. We're meant to be the type of people that live out gratitude in our lives. Because the truth is when we choose to give thanks, we tend to live thanks. And what if Thanksgiving was just another part of thanks living? You know, what if we were known in our friendship groups as the person who always said thank you? The person who always doubled back to say, I saw the sacrifice and I appreciate it. You know, what if we were the people that when we were around, people said, oh gosh, I hope they're not going to thank me again. Like that's ever happened. What if we were the type of people that showed and lived the types of lives people live when they've been saved from leprosy? when they've been saved from death, when they've been saved for something greater. We need to see it. We need to say it. We need to live it. I'm going to invite the band to come out. We're going to sing together as we celebrate baptism. They're going to start singing. I'm going to go change. (laughs) Then you'll see me come back out in just a minute. We're going to get this, this thing rolling. And here's what I'm going to ask of you. One, as we're doing these baptisms, let's celebrate because that's what this is. It's not a funeral. This is a wedding. <laughs> this is a celebration. This is an excitement. Let's do that. But this is what I believe. I believe there's people in here today because it seems like every time we do these baptisms, there are. And maybe you never signed up for baptism. Maybe today you weren't even planning to get baptized. But for some reason, the Holy Spirit is prompting you right now. And you're like, I want to get baptized. I want to say thank you. I want to recognize the gift and the sacrifice God gave for me on the cross, and I have never done it before. It's not something I've done as an adult. I'm not talking about a baby uh, baptism. I'm talking about something you've done after you've placed your faith in Jesus. If that's you today, I want to encourage you. We're going to give you a time after those who have signed up to be baptized, get baptized. We're going to give you a moment to just step out, clothes and all. Hand your cell phone to somebody, take off your shoes, and come on down. Believe it or not, we had three people do that last service, and it was awesome. We had this, this, uh, this uh, preteen that was getting baptized and her grandfather decided to jump in and get baptized with her. It was incredible. I was trying to keep it all together in the tub. I didn't want my mascara to run. Um, but I have no idea what God wants to do in this group of people. But if that's something that God is speaking to you about, we'll have people right over here standing here ready to talk to you, to walk you through the process and get you going on it. But what would it look like if this group of people, Christ followers everywhere, were not known for our entitlement, we're not known for our greed, but we're known for our generosity that stems from our thankfulness? Teenagers, do you know how you could change your school, how you could change the dynamic of your family simply by following this one principle of saying thank you? I went up to uh, Spring Hill this last weekend. That's where I was last weekend. And I I was in charge of eight fourth and fifth graders with my good friend, Doug. The two of us just ventured out and we decided we would sleep in the same cabin with and live with fourth and fifth graders for 48 hours. I only know it was 48 hours because I was counting every one of them. (laughs) Just kidding. It was honestly, it was the time of my life. I had so much fun. 
But one of the things that stuck out to me that mattered more than anything else that happened in that entire weekend was the ride home. My son, who had been rode hard and put up wet all weekend, you know, he was just going at it full throttle the whole weekend. He gets in the car after we put our stuff in the car. It's raining. We get in. We're just like, and we're on our way home. My son looked over at me and he said, you know what, Dad? Thank you for coming on this with me. It means a lot to me that you decided to take your weekend and come with me and be a part of this. So I I just cried out of the left side of my face so he wouldn't see it. (laughs) That matters to us, doesn't it, parents? It matters so much to us when those who we give to recognize it. Imagine how much more our Heavenly Father is deserving of it and the smile it puts on his face when we engage in it. And that through it, God can change the world. We're going to get ready for baptism. We're going to sing together. We're going to baptize together. We're going to party together. Let's do it.
standing on the outside right now, and you're probably thinking, that doesn't seem right. Um, it's because here we don't believe that, that the lead pastor is the only person that should be doing baptizing. As a matter of fact, I don't really think that, that there should be a term called pastor anyway. I believe every single person who's following Christ is a pastor to someone. So I want to introduce you to some folks. You guys come on out here. Get in the water together. Um, I'm going to make you stand there while I talk. Come on out. Come on out. We got a whole clan getting baptized together today. These are uh, our edge team. I'll let you guys all get in, and once you're nice and thoroughly cold, it's not warm at all, by the way. I was just lying about that part. Um, wanted to make them feel good. Awesome. Come on in. They're just all going to climb in. I love it. This is great. <laughs> the water's going to come out. It's going to be good. Um, well, first off, real quick, um, tell us your name and, uh, and the age of the, you know, the, 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 the group you're with. Hi, I'm Julie, and... Hannah and Olivia, how old are you guys? We're 16. They're 16. 16. And so this is the high school junior edge girls. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. We love it. And I love, love, love watching this happen. So, uh, you know, honestly, let's just ask the question. um, Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Yes. You have. So you're ready to be baptized? Yes. I love it. Well, then based on your public profession of faith in obedience to his commands, these folks baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit of his death, raised to walk in the newness of life. Apparently, I don't know, man. It's, uh, they're just gonna keep them coming. That's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, I don't know if you. I say this every time because, frankly, we usually have more people in high school getting baptized than any other group of people. And that's not just because high school is the time that people make decisions. It's honestly because our high school ministry stinking rocks. It is incredible what happens here. Richie and Jenna are both just incredible people of God, and Richie leads this place as if it is his own personal youth group that he cares deeply about every one of these kids. And so I love, love standing on this side of the tub while he's standing in there with his people that are baptizing these kids, because this is the picture of the church people. It's not me. It's them. It's what God is doing through you to move people forward in this mission of God. So let's do this together. Have you made the decision to trust Jesus? Yes. Awesome. Well, then we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death. Raised to walk in the newness of life.
tell us all your name? Abby. Abby. Abby, were you planning on getting baptized today? Was this like something you woke up this morning deciding that you'd predetermined you were going to do? my brother and she's like do you want to get baptized and you decided to show up here and do it yeah awesome i love it so cool but chad i'm assuming you know this person <laughs> no you're just in here because she's in our age group awesome i love that hey man way to go good stuff that's awesome all right well we're gonna do this right now have you placed your faith in jesus you have well then it is my pleasure to baptize you in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit buried in the likeness of his death raised to walk in the newness of life congratulations has to talk again. That's okay. I won't interrupt too much more. But what I wanted to say is this. At this time, I I know we have some folks that want to be baptized that are in the audience right now. If God is prompting you and calling you to be baptized, we don't want you to wait. Frankly, because it's cold in here, I'm not going to wait. All right. So you come and you be baptized. I do want to give one caveat, though. Uh, We have a ton of teenagers in the room right now, which, by the way, I love it when you guys are in here. Come every week, sit right there. I would love to have you be a part of it. One thing we like to tell teenagers is uh, being baptized is one of the coolest things you can do in your in your faith walk. But it's something that you need to do in partnership with and in honor of and with your parents. Uh, which means that if your mom and dad aren't here today and you're like, I still want to go get baptized, do me a favor. Put a pause button on it. We'll do another baptism another time. Go back and talk to them because it shows tremendous honor. It shows tremendous respect to them to gain their uh, approval or at least to get their blessing or to have a conversation at least about being baptized. So if you're here today and your parents are here and you're like, Mom, I'm getting in. That's cool. That's awesome. If they aren't here and you don't have the chance to talk with them about it first, hold off. Honor them. Respect them. I promise you God will honor and, and will bless that to a great degree. Having said that, if there's anyone that wants to be baptized, this song is your chance. This is your time. Come on forward. Don't delay because God would love to see this happen in your life today. You feel free to sing while we watch people get baptized. The ground began to shake. today. I was in the United States Army. Thank you for your service. 
save you. He saved you. It's time to show him, right? That's awesome. Well, you placed your faith in Jesus? You have. Then I'm going to ask you to step forward just a little bit here. It is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Congratulations. Uh, what prompted you to come up here? I'm just trying to make a big change in my life. Awesome. No better way to do it than this, I'm telling you. That's awesome. You guys know him? Give him a hand. Absolutely. Have you placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior? Absolutely. Well, then it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. for you. It's going to be incredible. I'm going to step up here. You step down there. All right. Have you placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior? Then based off of your public profession of faith and an obedience to his command, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried, risen to walk again. for the day. Um, what, uh, what's going on in your heart right now? What's making you make this decision? Uh, it's, it's, it's due. It's due. It's time. Man, what a, I can't think of a better answer than that. It's just time. Well, have you placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior? Right well, then, based off of your public profession of faith and obedience to His command, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
things like today that tell us to keep going because what we're doing here matters. Lives are being changed. Transformation is occurring. There's, there's mobilization on a front like we've never seen, I think, in human history. And I think it's just getting started. I'm so unbelievably thankful for each and every one of you. Your desire to be a part of this, to be involved in what God is doing in this place. And I thank you so much that we have the opportunity to worship and be together today. I think we're going to go ahead and end the service. Call it on a good note. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Have a great Thanksgiving.